Let's take our Bibles to the book of Colossians together. Please, we'll pick up where we left off in the Word of God, verse by verse in this book together. Colossians chapter 4, we spoke on Wednesday night about servants from the previous chapter. He begins to talk about masters, but he ends chapter 3 of Colossians in verse number 25 saying, He that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. In other words, there's a greater master that the servants have because he says in verse 24, Ye serve the Lord Christ. In chapter 4, verse 1, we pick up the reading where he says, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of of Christ for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I... I've called some of these instructions last day's instructions for the church because you remember when we began this epistle, we connected it with Laodicea because that's what it's connected with. You remember in verse number 16 of this chapter, or number, verse 15, he talks about saluting the brethren which are in Laodicea. He says in verse 16, when this epistle is read among you, calls that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. He mentions Laodicea again in chapter 2 and verse 1. I believe you understand that the seven churches of Asia in the book of the Revelation, though they are historic churches, they're real churches, they also represent, I believe, the church age. And Laodicea, I believe that last age of the church is very well understood to be a time where the church or the people that are saved feel like they don't have need of anything and they're not in a good shape, they're not in a good condition, they're lukewarm in their relationship with the Lord. And so I would say that this epistle in the book of Colossians, since it's connected with Laodicea and he wanted Laodicea to hear these words That possibly that what he is saying will keep us from the pitfalls and the sins and the problems of the church of Laodicea. We're living in the last days, I believe. We can't do anything about that, but we don't have to have the last days define who we are. And we don't have to be partakers of those that have been overcome by this age. And we can have a different church. We can have a different life and a different family. But I think we'll have to follow the instructions of the Lord. And he talks about the fact that we ought to be servants. And he mentions in verse number 1 of chapter 4, Masters given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. 
I believe what will guide our lives if we understand that we all have a master and he's in heaven. You know, that's one of the titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rarely use that title when we pray as the disciples did. They often addressed our Lord as master. I don't know that we do that. We pray to the Father, we pray to the Lord, we talk to Jesus, all of that's fine, it's appropriate. But I wonder how many times we bow our head and say, Master. I think there's probably something about the way we're made up that that goes against our grain. To acknowledge that I have a master in heaven. I have somebody that has the mastery over me. The Bible says that we need to purge ourselves from certain things that we may be meet for the master's use. In other words, our lives ought to be whatever the master wants to do with us. And the truth is, the Bible says in verse number, chapter 4, verse number 1, that master's given to your servants that which is just and equal. He's talking about that servant-master relationship. And he tells the servants how to be obedient to their masters. And then he tells the masters, you've got a responsibility to do what's right for those that are under your authority because you are also under authority. All of us are under the authority to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells these masters, these people that have authority, and I'll say this to you. The Bible tells us in James chapter uh, 3, verse 1, he says, My brethren, he says, Be not many masters, knowing that you'll receive the greater condemnation. In other words, we all, you know, you're in a dangerous place when you want that place of authority. Because you are going to give more account to the master which is in heaven than the one that was the servant. So sometimes the servant thinks he's getting the lower end of the deal and he wished that he had the position and he wished that he had the authority. But you got to understand that master in that position is going to have a lot more to answer for and how he used his authority. That ought to encourage the children. That ought to encourage the wives. That ought to encourage the men that are under authority of someone else. Amen. You're not going to have to answer for as much as somebody else who had greater authority than you. You know, coming out of Bible college, there's a lot of people that want to be a pastor. What I tell you what, my, my whole mentality, all that's changed. After being the ministry for 30 plus years, you know why I'm a pastor? I'm a pastor because the Lord wants me to be, and that's the only reason. There is so much I have to answer for. Yeah. And if you're a dad, and if you're a husband, there is so much you've got to answer for. Because you are in the position of authority. He tells those that are in the position of authority, he says, Masters, give that which is just and equal to your servants. You know, if somebody, if the Bible was followed, there probably would not be any need for unions. If if they just follow the Bible, give your servants that which is just and equal. There'd be no need for the the courts, for somebody 
to get what is rightfully theirs. You see that word just and equal? You know, God ought to get such a bum rap about not being fair. I think if the Lord expects those in authority to do that which is just and equal, do you think that God himself would not live up to that standard? I don't think God has done anything unfair with any of us. He's not been unfair. Now, you can look at somebody's life, and you can look at your life and say it's not fair. But, 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 but that's the wrong way to look at life. You've got to look at your life before you and the master. Has the master done that which is just and equal for you? Has he been fair with you? I'd say for all of us, we ought to bow our heads and say, he's been more than gracious. If he really was equal... Like we want him to be equal. Do we really want to want to get from God what is just? <laughs> no, I don't want justice. I want mercy. <laughs> but my God is a master that is, he is going to be just. And he is equal in the sense of chapter 3 verse 25 as we ended. There is no respect of persons. In other words, he is not going to treat one person because of who they are or the color of their skin or something else. God is no respecter of persons. Now, He will be a respecter of your lifestyle, but not of persons. You can love the Lord. He's not going to turn away someone based upon where they live or who their family was. Now, he'll resist the proud, but that's, that, that's not being a respected person. He resists everybody that's proud. It doesn't matter if it's your child or if it's you or if it's Donald Trump or the king of England. There's no respected person. He just resists the proud. That, that's, that's equal, you see. He also says, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That, that, that's, that's, that's equal. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has the same amount of goods, has the same amount of intelligence, has the same amount of beauty, has the same amount of opportunity. But if, if, if a human being that's a sinner would be honest, he would have to say that his master in heaven has not been unjust with him. Amen. He tells these masters to give unto their servants that which is just and equal. You need to treat people that are under your authority. You need to treat them well. I think independent Baptists would, would help be helped there. There's some people that have authority, but they don't treat people under their authority very well. Okay, you've got authority. Are you treating the people under your authority? Or are you treating them well? That's a principle in the Bible that he gives them here in the last days. Knowing that you have you also have a master in heaven. He says in another place, he tells these masters, people that have authority, he gives several instructions to us. He said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, he says that the masters should forbear threatening. He said not only are you to treat people, treat, treat people well and respectably and just that are underneath your authority, but you also are not to threaten people that are under your authority. God have mercy 
on people that have to live under the authority of somebody that threatens them. That's not proper authority. And, and a threat is not, not like uh, having rules or, or, or ordered uh, guidelines for a home or the church or the government. But I think you understand what the word threatening is. God forbid that we'd have parents that threaten their children. If you do that one more time, well, that's a threat. You say, well, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, when they disobey, you just discipline them. You don't threaten them. I tell you one thing, if this happens again, what sorry authority. You know, as a pastor, I've been disappointed in in people that are under my authority. But you know what I've learned? It never helps to threaten anybody. I tell you what, honey, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to leave you. You're an idiot. She'll leave you just because you're an idiot. Quit threatening people. How about that? Is anybody work in the, in the workplace under a boss that threatens you all the time? I bet you just love that, don't you? You just enjoy that. Now, that doesn't mean... Look, people that are underneath uh, under somebody else's authority, they ought to be submissive. We already went through all those verses. But he says, if you're a master, you need to treat the people that are under your authority correctly, and you don't need to threaten them. That does not mean they don't, they don't get punished or they don't get disciplined, but, but, but do away with the threats. Get uh, 1 Timothy 6 and Luke chapter 6. Those that have positions of authority. I appreciate what John Adams put on the White House when he left. Y'all know what he stuck on the White House? Put a big plaque on there. He put, may only men rule in this house that be just. wonder where he got that from. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and Luke chapter 6. 1 Timothy, I'll give you another principle of authority. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and with masters. 1 Timothy 6 verse 2. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit these things teach and exhort he said the master should be faithful and beloved in other words if you're in a position of authority it's important that you be faithful look at luke chapter 6 i'll show you what i mean by that luke chapter 6 the bible says in luke 6 and verse number 40 the disciple is not above his master watch it But everyone that is perfect shall be as his what? Master. If you are a master, if you have a position of authority, you're setting the example for the people under you to be just like you. If every child was like their father, what kind of child would it be? If everybody underneath those of authority would be just like the authority, what, what kind of... What, 
the mother has authority over children. If the children was just like the mother, what kind of children would they be? Now, here's the great thing about God. You have a master in heaven. You know what? He's wonderful to be like. And if we could all be like our master. If we could all just be like our master. But somebody, some, some people don't want to be like the master. They don't even want to acknowledge that he is the master. But yet he left us an example. He was the servant of servants. He instructs. The masters to give, give that which is just and equal. Give them an example. If you're going to be in a place of authority. I mean, if you have a Sunday school class, what kind of children, if they were just Christians like you, would, 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 would it be great? Would it be a good deal? Because it's not just the position of the authority. It's what example am I Showing to people underneath my authority. Go back to our text. So he talks about masters. He said, well, I don't really know what that has to do with the last days. Well, I'd look around. <laughs> masters give unto your servants, verse 1 of Colossians chapter 4, that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue in prayer. And watching the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. He tells the masters to give. Then he says, I want you to continue in prayer. He wants the church to continue in prayer. Would it be true that in the Laodicean age, in an epistle that's connected, I believe, with the last days, that the emphasis of prayer as he gets to the last chapter, does it mean that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more sincere and the more striving in prayer we need to become? Continue in prayer. We can't continue in something we're not doing. Continuing prayer is is an assumption that you're already praying. Can I tell you something? This morning in church was just a blessing. Did anybody get a blessing in church besides me this morning? The song service was a blessing. The Lord was here. He is walking around. I think he was pleased. I mean, my, my grandchild got a blessing. The Y chromosome. Yeah, she's having a boy. Was jumping around while I was preaching. Yeah. Do you know why I think that is? We had men stretched all on this altar yesterday morning praying. Do you think that's a coincidence? Maybe if we would continue in prayer, it would sort of interrupt the spirit of this Laodicean age. Maybe if we would pray more sincerely and pray without a hypocritical heart and pray not just because we have to but and if we have if we get the chance we take the chance to pray together prayer is so cheapened people don't 
believe it even works. Or, you know, it takes so much faith to pray because you're talking to somebody you can't see. It's, it's, it's a strange exercise. It's, it's another worldly exercise. It's out of this world to talk to God that's a million miles away. But he says, I tell you what, where you're living, you better continue in prayer. I heard growing up as a kid, the family that prays together stays together. Well, they ain't staying together. We need to pray more than we've ever prayed. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for the laborers. We need to pray for our children. We need to pray for our marriages. We need to pray for our church. Continue in prayer. If your children are going to turn out just based on your prayers, what's going to happen to them? Just depending upon how you pray for them. If your church is solely dependent upon your prayers, will it continue? He says, continue in prayer. The Bible says, in everything by prayer. Philippians 4, verse 6. First Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. Don't quit. Don't stop. You say, well, I don't see any answers. Just keep praying. Daniel prayed for for so many days and the answer was coming. He had to wait for the answer. He didn't get to him. And he was discouraged on his face and the angel touched him and said, you know, from the first day we heard what you said, it just took us a while to get here because we're in a fight. What a strange thing. Maybe your prayer is 30 days postponed just because they're fighting in heaven to try to figure out how to get the answer to you. Oh, that, that's what was going on in Daniel's life. See, God's not on our schedule. We're saying, all right, I'm praying, okay. wonder how long Joseph prayed while he was in prison. wonder how long he kept praying. Well, my prayer didn't get answered. I'm still in jail another year. It's just gone from bad to worse. Keep praying, Joseph. No wonder they watched Jesus and they said, would you please teach us how to do that? Would you please teach us how to pray? We don't know how to do that. And Jesus got in the garden with them and he says, what's wrong with you guys? Y'all can't even pray an hour. Well, my soul, what would he say to us today? Y'all can't even pray five minutes. That's probably what he said. I think the Lord was here. We get down around the altar to pray, and we get up in about two minutes and a half. And the good Lord will come to us, probably sit down and said, Boy, that was really good praying. Maybe you can do three minutes next time. Mm-hmm. 
I said, came to the disciples. You guys can't even pray an hour. Continue in prayer. Well, I prayed. Well, keep on praying. You, you can pray a little longer. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have even seen it today, but uh, I stole one of my family members' phones just for a minute, and something popped on, on the phone, and it said, time to pray. Well, that was a blessing to me. We probably need to remind ourselves we need to do that. Continue in prayer. And I just imagine that that Laodicean church, they probably, before they got to that place where they were miserable and blind and naked, they were probably in a prayerless place. Continue in prayer, and he says in our verse, verse 2, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. That goes back to the illustration I just gave. He says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's something about our prayer life. We want to pray, but it's just so hard to follow through and not go to sleep. By the way, here's here's a little tidbit for you. If you have insomnia, pray. Even the devil will put you to sleep. Yeah. My mom used to tell me, she said, well, just lay there and pray, son. I started doing that, and you know what? I sleep like a baby. But baby, maybe my prayer life's not as good as it could have been if I had some sleepless nights. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. We don't just pray with our eyes closed. We pray with our eyes open, our hearts open, our minds open. We're watching around us as we pray. So we'll know what to pray for. How to pray for our children because we're watching. How to pray for our church because we're watching. We see the needs. We we have the information about what is needed to pray. We see the dangers. We see the pitfalls. We see the possibilities. We're watching and praying. We know what the need is. We're not praying in a generality. We're praying in specifics because we've been watching about where the lack is. He said in 1 Peter 4, 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Colossians 4, 2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He says these last day's instructions for the church, God not only wants us to pray, He not only wants us to watch and pray, but He wants us to pray with thanksgiving. That means if all I'm doing in my prayer life is complaining to God about what He hadn't done and what He needs to do and what I want Him to do, if I'm not spending time in my prayer closet saying, Oh God, thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for this. Thank You for my church. Thank You for the Holy Ghost. Thank You for the Bible. Thank You for my freedom. Thank you for my family. Thank you for all the good things of God I don't deserve. If we don't spend the continuing in prayer in thanksgiving, we've also missed the boat. Yeah. 
everything by prayer and supplication with thanks, giving. Let your request be made unto God. Maybe we're not even supposed to offer requests if we can't give some thanks before we bring it. He says something else about our prayer life in these verses. Continuing prayer, watching the same with thanksgiving, with all, praying also for us. Quit just praying for yourself. Start praying for somebody else. With all, praying also for us. While you're praying for you and your family, pray for us too. (laughs) Paul said, don't leave me out. I need your prayer. That's called intercession. Praying for someone else. What's wrong with people? I'll tell you what's wrong with people nobody's praying for. Nobody gives a rip enough to bombard the throne of grace and say, Oh God, would you intervene in somebody's life and call them by name and beg the help of God in the circumstances of their life to be brought to pass so the Lord can get victory in their lives. He says, won't you pray for us? Who are you praying for? Have we been faithful with our praying for all of our missionaries that we adopted? Who are you praying for? And then he tells us what to pray about even in this text. With all praying also for us that God would keep all of us from covid Is that what he said? Praying also for us that we wouldn't get RSV. What a name to give a deadly virus. I don't want RSV, NIV, or NASV. I want KJB. Yeah. Sound like a deadly virus, RSV. Don't want it. Don't believe in it. Believe it's of the devil. <laughs> but look, you know what we do? Guys, guys, you know what we do? Come on, be, be honest with me. And, and I'm, we're, we're, God tells us to pray about everything, all right? Pray about everything. If you have too much hair loss, pray about that. I don't, it doesn't matter. Pray about everything. He said in everything by prayer. You can pray about everything. God didn't have rules on that. But I'm just saying, why is our praying so much about what we're interested in instead of what he's interested in? He's saying, with all praying also for us, that a door of utterance may be opened unto us to speak the mystery of Christ. Pray that a door would be opened so we could preach Jesus to people. Put that on your prayer list. Oh, I'm praying for a better job. Okay, okay. But don't let that be the bulk of your prayer. Well, let's pray God save us from the government. <laughs> you know what I really think. We all get together. Lord, save us from the black helicopters and we don't want to be put in the imprisonment camps. And the Lord's looking down there. Why don't you just pray that I would open a door where you could be used to take the gospel to people and maybe I would have an incentive to keep you out of jail. I say some things that shock myself sometimes. 
Does God even have an incentive to be good to us? Do you see what's on the top of his prayer list? What he's interested about is that a door of utterance could be opened, that somebody can speak the mystery. Paul didn't ask. He didn't say, guys, I got this thorn. Would you pray to get this thorn off of me? He didn't say, all the churches need to pray that I could get a wife. That man's living without a wife. And evidently he's arguing about it. Do I not have the power to get married? Have you read the Bible? But he didn't say, would you pray for me? I need a wife. Didn't ask for that. He didn't ask, would you? I don't even read in the Bible where he said, would you please pray that I could get out of jail? He said, no, I tell you what, I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God would open a door of utterance so I can preach to people and speak to people and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and their hearts would be open and their minds would be open. He didn't care if he's telling them in jail. He didn't care if he's telling them in the palace. He didn't care if he's telling them in the hospital. He didn't, te- hey man, he didn't care if he's on the street corner half bleeding to death. He said, I just want an open door to be able to preach the gospel. Pray for me. But I'll have another opportunity to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. He is in jail when he's saying this and he's not asking for freedom. He didn't say, y'all, you guys need to pray. I'm going to get a fair trial. (laughs) He said, would you please pray, God, open up a door where I can utter the gospel. I just want a chance to preach. I want a chance to witness. I say that's good last day's instructions for us. That we would pray, Lord, would you give us an open door with our families and with our friends and with our, the people in our community. That we could speak the mystery of Christ. And if we have to suffer for that, it's more important that we have a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ than it is that we even have freedom or not. He says, verse number four, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. He said, pray for me that I'll speak as I ought to speak. I bet you probably have never heard anybody raise their hand in a prayer meeting and said, Preacher, pray for, for Susan. She gossips too much and she needs to tell people about Jesus. I bet, I bet you don't hear that prayer request. Paul said, I want you to pray that I'll speak as I ought to speak because I can speak how I ought not. I can say what I shouldn't say, but you pray for me that I'll say what I should say, the way he wants me to say it. He sort of repeats that in his request about the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 when the Bible reads thus, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit 
and watching thereunto. There it is again. Uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that wherein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. God, help us in the last days to speak as we ought to speak. And he said the prayer request isn't just for me, it's how you're speaking too. Look at verse 6. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech, now he's talking about the way you talk. He said pray for my speech, but I'm also praying for the way you talk. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Isn't that what First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 tells? We need to know how to answer every man of the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. We ought to be ready to talk to everybody about what God has done for us. You say, preacher, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. You can still give them an answer of what God's done in your life. If you can't tell somebody how how you got saved, you need to get saved. Because you were supposed to have been there. Well, and you may not know how to say it. Just right. Well, I'll tell you what. I love Jesus. I trusted Jesus. I gave him my sin. He's changed my life. I love him. He says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer. Every man, he's wanting us to speak how we ought to speak. He says your speech always with grace. The Bible talks about our Lord, about the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Oh, don't, don't be confused. He was a hard preacher, but he was gracious with people. He says, I'll tell you how to talk. If you want to know how to talk, just make sure there's always grace in your speech. What a good principle. You you and I need that today. When you talk to people, make sure there's always grace there. The grace of God, the favor you give people that they don't deserve. Why do we always talk to people like they deserve to be talked to? Let your speech be always with grace. And then he puts this in there for Joel Osteen people. He says, I want you to season it with salt because if it ain't got salt in it, it ain't worth eating. He said, if the salt's lost its savor, it's good for nothing to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. If it doesn't have any salt, he said, get rid of it. Just just walk on it. There's got to have salt. You're the salt of the earth. Salt preserves. Salt stings. Salt makes people thirsty. Our speech, yes, our speech should make people thirsty. Our speech should be a preservation to keep things from ruin. And yes, sometimes our speech is to sting. But watch it now. Watch it. Our speech is with grace, but it's just seasoned. Have you ever got a big old mouthful of salt? What a blessing. Your wife ever overseasoned the food and you love what, was, what, what you're eating, but you put it in your mouth. And, oh, that ever happened to you? 
I'd say that too, my brother. Praise the Lord. When you eat something that's not seasoned, but over seasoned, it doesn't matter how good the food is, you don't want it. <laughs> you know what we do with some people? I love to pick on Jimmy. We go up to him and say, open wide, and we throw in the stock shaker. God said, don't do that. Just throw in the grace and then just season it with salt. <laughs> if you don't throw the salt in there, you failed. Because they are lost and they are on their way to hell. And sin does offend God. And they need to repent. When we give out the gospel, when we give out tracts, it's full of grace. But we've got some salt in there. But we don't just talk about hell all the time. We talk about the grace of God and we put, yeah, the other side, you got, you got hell if you don't want that grace. I really love you. I care about you. love spending time with you. But you know, you got a problem. It's going to hurt you. This ain't right. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. He didn't say let your speech be always with salt, seasoned with grace. I think we could probably stop there and say, Lord, help us with that. Maybe, just maybe, that is a reference to how that door of utterance and that giving an answer to every man will make a more of a difference.